Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning comes from Luke's Gospel. I'll be reading from chapter 22, a very short passage, which is part of a much larger uh, text, but um, it will become clear, I hope, during the course of the message. But I'll be reading from Luke 22, verses 35 through 38. Listen to this portion of God's word. He, and that means Jesus, said to them, the disciples, when I sent you out without a purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, no, not a thing. He said to them, but now the one who has a purse must take it, and likewise a bag. And the one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you, this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the lawless. And indeed, what is written about me is being fulfilled. They said, Lord, look, here are two swords. He replied, it is enough. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There was a magazine article a while back that had uh, some pictures in it, but the title of the article was called Deadly Beasts. And in this article, as I said, there were pictures. And there were pictures of exotic animals like piranhas, lions, snakes, a blue-ringed octopus, which kills divers over in the South Pacific, and a hippopotamus, which actually kills more people than lions do. And then on the last page, there was a photo of a human baby. And this baby is all cuddly and cute with diapers on. And the caption underneath said, most lethal predator murders 20,000 of its own species each year, not including war, suicide, and car accidents. God says, thou shalt not kill. Does anybody really want to argue with that? In fact, the Hebrew is just two words, no murder, which is defined as the unjust premeditated taking of an innocent human life. Forty-six times it is used in the Old Testament, and it carries a sense of willful harm, blood vengeance, and a sense of mayhem. God tells us not to cross over the rights of another human being. In an old Peanuts cartoon, Lucy announces to her brother Linus that she wants to be a doctor when she grows up. And Linus says, you a doctor? How can you be a doctor? You don't love mankind. And Lucy protests and says, oh yes, I do too love mankind. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> well, as I shared last week, as we talked about the issue of abortion, we are to respect, protect, and honor the sanctity of human life. And this brings us to our red hot topic for today, guns. Now, there's no possible way for me to fully address this issue in just one message. So I have a feeling that many of you are gonna be leaving here very disappointed. For one thing, there is the challenge of gun control, gun rights, and gun violence. And sometimes I think we conflate these issues to one thing, but they are very distinct. And so my desire today 
is not to get too deep into the weeds of the political ramifications of the Second Amendment or the pros and cons of the NRA or even gun rights versus gun control. And so you may find this sermon to be very disappointing, finding yourself saying, yeah, John, but what about? Yeah, John, but what about? Yeah, John, but what about? And I'm going to confess to you that I don't have all the answers. And the answers that I do have, I'm not even sure they are the right answers. So I will give you a personal perspective in just a few minutes, which you may or may not agree with, and that's okay. That's why we're here, to be able to talk about these things in the Lord's house. Also, just in case, I have this invisible bulletproof shield that's going to come from the floor <laughs> and come right in front of me. So I'm going to be just fine. In all seriousness, what I do believe is that it is better for us to go directly to God's word in order to find out how we are to live and behave. Now, the one challenge or one of the challenges that we do face is that we do not find any specific scripture readings which say, thou shalt not own a gun, or one that says, thou shalt own a gun. The Bible usually does not work that way. And so we kind of have to take the whole of scriptures to try to dig in and find a coherent theme and message. Lisa Thompson is the professor of homiletics and liturgics at the Vanderbilt Divinity School. And this is what she writes. If you go to scripture, you're not going to see anything about gun violence. It's not going to have a verbatim answer. But if we read the text, there are principles that come up over and over. One of those is violence and how we connect and live with one another. Now, to be fair, God commanded the armies of Israel to arm themselves for war. God raised up judges like Ehud, who single-handedly struck down King Eglon with a blade that he made. God encouraged David to pursue the Amalekites when he was no more than just a citizen leading a band of disenchanted men to rescue his family from their enemies. Here's the point. Weapon ownership was common in biblical times. And as far as I could find, there was not a time in scripture when personal weapon ownership was ever discouraged. In fact, any man over 20 years of age needed to be, needed to be armed because he could be called up to serve in the army to defend Israel. And according to Luke 22:38, which was the first scripture reading, that I read earlier, the disciples apparently owned weapons which Jesus did not seem to discourage. Slings, bows, spears, swords, and daggers were common and not discouraged in the Bible. The only thing discouraged regarding weapons was the use of them to intentionally kill another person. However, to bring harm to someone else in self-defense was permitted. And yet, and yet, it was Jesus who ordered Peter to put away his sword in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was Jesus who ordered his followers to turn the other cheek when they were assaulted. It was Jesus 
who commanded us to love our enemies. So all of these things can be quite confusing. And I'm probably going to add a bit more to it with some personal thoughts. So here we go. Full disclosure, I am a gun owner. I also have a Pennsylvania concealed carry permit. Don't worry, I'm not carrying right now. <laughs> but back when I was uh, serving the church in Greensboro, North Carolina, some men in the church invited me to a gun range cleverly called Calibers. And let me just say parenthetically that we had a group like that here pre-COVID, remember? Ready, aim, fire, where we would meet for breakfast at the restaurant in Willow Street on a Saturday morning before heading off to the gun rage, remember? Some of you were part of that. Well, being new at the church in Greensboro, I saw it as an opportunity to fellowship with the men, even though I did not own a gun at the time. So I had to borrow one. Now, as many of you know, my father is a retired police officer. And throughout most of my life, I had a healthy, I would say, maybe even unhealthy fear of guns. And there's things that stick with you in your mind that you never let go, because here's what I remember. I remember my father sitting me on the bed and showing me his police-issued 38 caliber snub-nosed six-shot revolver. And he looked at me, and he, stood, and he said in as stern of a voice and as serious a voice as I have ever heard him, and even since, this is a gun. This is not a toy. This is real. It has one purpose. It is designed to kill. Don't ever touch it. And I never did. And so that's how it was for me most of my life. I'm not a hunter as I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey. I know there are lots of hunters in this community. I know there are lots of hunters in this congregation. And that's fine. That's fine in my opinion. Now, there are lots of reasons why people own a gun. According to the Pew Research Center from 2017, 67% of the people own guns for protection, 38% for hunting, 30% for sports shooting, 13% as part of a gun collection, 8% for their job. And does anybody have a problem with those reasons? I don't. They seem pretty legitimate to me. But the one place where I might become just a little bit more hardened on gun ownership is on the age when it is appropriate to buy a gun. And again, this is just me. But I am uncomfortable with it being only 18 years old. I have to think that if one of my kids came home with a rifle on their 18th birthday and said, hey, Dad, look what I bought today. I don't think I would have been happy. And it just makes me queasy knowing that you can buy a rifle before you can buy a beer. And I know the young people in this congregation are not going to like hearing what I'm about to say, but I think we allow kids to drive way too soon. Why do you think the car insurance rates are so high 
up to the age of 25 because they have the most accidents, right? And, and yes, some of it is inexperience, but an adolescent's brain and decision-making process is still being formed during those critical years. And yet, here we are. We put them in situations where they run the greater risk of making poor choices and doing immature things that will either hurt themselves or other people. Now, I know there are a lot of people out there, a lot of young people especially, who feel alone and detached and disconnected, and, and certainly COVID only made it worse. And I can't read every text, every tweet, every email, every Facebook or every Instagram post to know what these kids are thinking. But a civil society should be able to keep guns out of the hands of people who are either too young or have a mental health issue or have a criminal history. Back in November, the people in the state of Oregon voted to approve Measure 114, one of the nation's strictest gun control measures, banning the sale of high-capacity magazines except for military use and law enforcement use. This new piece of legislation requires a permit, a criminal background check, waiting period, fingerprinting, and firearms training for those buying a gun. Why this piece of legislation? Why now? The answer came back that people are simply weary of the bloodshed and grief. They want the gun violence to stop. They want the mass shootings to stop. As one Lutheran pastor from Portland said, we've had too many funerals. Now, reasonable people can debate whether the passage of this bill was a good thing or if it will even help. In fact, it is being challenged in the courts as we speak. Certainly, there is a clear division on what is the right kind of legislation to stem gun violence because Measure 114 in Oregon passed only by a 50.7% margin compared to a 49.3% margin. Seems that what we need to do is a better job of enforcing the laws that are already on the books. I know that the problem is not licensed, responsible gun owners, but all the illegal guns. So what's the answer? 50 years ago, Archie Bunker had his own solution to the gun problem. <laughs> here we are, here we are, all right, everybody cram up. Good evening, everybody.
superiority there, being was there to pull out the rod. And uh, then you realize that they wouldn't have to shake the passengers on the ground anymore. They just pass out the pistols and begin to get a trip. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> here we are, here we are. <laughs> well, more than uh, 50 years ago was 2,000 years ago. Jesus had a better solution. And he cuts right to the heart of the matter of what the problem really is. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has his own version of murder he wrote as he expands on the law and then he intensifies it. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with your brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. So what Jesus is saying is that the sin is not found in the actual act of the murder or in the weapon of choice, but it is found in the hatred of the heart of the one who commits the murder. So if you're someone who's trying to kill your neighbor and you happen to be a bad shot, you're just as evil and as guilty as the one who succeeds in carrying out the act. Do not murder, it says in the Ten Commandments. Do not be angry, says Jesus Christ. Jesus says, do, do a self-ablation on your heart. Zap that source of anger. Respect the sacred life of your neighbor. In his classic book, The Great Divorce, which ironically has nothing to do with divorce, the Christian writer C.S. Lewis takes his readers on this imaginary journey, wondering what it would be like if people in hell got a second chance and an opportunity to choose heaven instead. And in one scene, a man from hell meets up with a man from heaven whom he had previously known in life on earth. And the irony is that the man in heaven once committed murder. And the man from hell thinks it's just outrageous that a murderer could actually be allowed into heaven. He says, if that's heaven, then I want no part of it. Well, the heavenly man tries explaining forgiveness and grace to the man from hell, but he's not buying it. And finally, the heavenly man says to the hellish man, you know, murdering old Jack wasn't the worst thing I ever did. The fact is I used to lay awake at night thinking of what I'd do to you if I only had the chance. You see, what the heavenly man in C.S. Lewis's story understands and what the hellish man in C.S. Lewis's story does not understand is that whether it's an act of the heart or the hand, in God's eyes, there's no difference. And that is what Jesus is getting at in our second scripture reading this morning. And so I invite you to follow along on the screen as I read from Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. And he, again, meaning Jesus, said, it is what comes out of a person that defiles, for it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, avarice, which means greed, wickedness, deceit, 
licentiousness, which is lewdness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you just pray with me for a moment? God, as we continue to embark on this uh, journey through your word, we pray that you would give us open hearts, open eyes, open ears to hear and to see and to receive what it is we most need from you in order to be more faithful disciples of Jesus Christ as you walk with us day by day and moment by moment. Through Jesus Christ we pray, amen. <laughs> Friends, we and we alone were made in the image of God. We and we alone have the capacity of eternal fellowship with God. We and we alone have been died for by God's Son. Anger and hatred sort of create this merry-go-round, this vicious cycle. And whether or not it leads to murder, it still destroys the worth of human beings who are, as we talked about last week and talking about abortion, are made in God's image. God considers you and me to be sacred, not just our souls, but our bodies as well. As the late Christian author and professor Louis Schmieds wrote, we must see every person as someone who lives each moment in relationship with God. We need to see the religious connection if we want to recognize the essence of human sacredness. The concrete person, beautiful or ugly, productive or idle, smart or stupid, is the one whom God made, whom God loves, whose life is in God's hands, and for whom his son died on the cross. And because our lives are sacred, we must also show and exercise restraint. Even though I'm one who supports a castle doctrine and the right to stand my ground and defend my life or, or the, the lives of my family, there are built-in restraints in the Bible so that there is no impulsive street justice. One of the most famous quotations, sometimes we sort of gravitate to the ones that feed us that we like the most, but one of the most famous quotations of the Bible is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We hear that all the time. That's part of what's called the lex talionis, the law of retribution. What you may not know is that is not a description of punishment, but a restraint upon punishment to show thou shalt not overpunish. And so the law, the law limits the level of retaliation. So there's to be a sense of justice, equality, and even-handedness in any punishment. As I said earlier, my father was a policeman for 30 years. And in all that time, I, I got, Dad's watching today, he never once had to use his gun in the line of duty. And I know he is very thankful that he never had to use deadly force against another individual. Now, police officers are allowed to under the law but they also must exercise restraint and they should never look forward to using their gun. The problem seems to be that we just don't feel safe anymore. We feel vulnerable. So what do we do? 
Well, we buy our own guns and ammo. We spend thousands of dollars on elaborate, sophisticated alarm systems. We put metal detectors in schools. We have conversations about even arming teachers. We think twice before going out to certain stores or the movies at night. We stay away from certain neighborhoods. What went wrong? How did we get here? Who's to blame? Well, it depends on who you talk to. Some say it's guns. Some say it's gangs. Some say it's gangs with guns. Others say it's poor education. Some say it's movies or rap music or video games titled Assassin's Creed. Still others say it's parents who are too busy, fathers who desert their families, and the list goes on and on and on. I read in the New York papers about a woman who was being beaten regularly by her husband. The couple had a four-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl. And on one occasion, the children witnessed an attack as the husband grabbed his wife by the throat and tried to strangle her. Now, the wife survived the attack, and the state put her in a battered uh, shelter for women along with her two children. One day, the woman heard her two children fighting in the next room, and she went, when she went over to see what was going on, she found her four-year-old going for the throat of her two-year-old. The Bible says the sins of the parents are passed down to the children. A son sees his father shaving, and he wants to shave. A daughter sees her mother putting on makeup, and all of a sudden, lipstick and mascara become the most important thing in the world. So why should we be surprised that when a father attacks a mother, the child wants to model the same behavior? There are over 393 million guns in this country, a country that has 310 million people. Is that too many guns? I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Even if every single one of them were taken away, if every single one of them were confiscated and disposed of, we would still find a way to behave violently and do everything but the command from Jesus Christ to love our neighbor. So what can we, what can the church do? As Christians, we need to get off the sidelines into the game. Absolutely, we need to be tough on crime. We need more police on the streets and not defund the police, which is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. And yes, it is okay to be a legal gun owner, but we're also Christians. And that means we offer Jesus Christ to this broken world. And the gospel is God's strategy for ending this cycle of violence, destruction, and death. The Apostle Paul said in Romans, which I read a few weeks ago when I kicked off this sermon series, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, we pray that you would awaken us to the wonder of who we are as human beings. And we pray against gun violence and all philosophies, however well-intended they may be, that exclude others from the care and dignity that is yours and theirs as 
children made in your image. Especially we pray that you would cleanse our hearts of all anger and vengeance and hate. Instead, may we be life preservers, as Jesus calls us to be. And hear us, O God, as we join together as one people in one faith and with one voice to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.